This is the Real Life Diabetes Podcast, number 34, with Mindful Diabetic Robbie or Robbie Barbero. It was great having our third person on the show now that is uh, doing the plant-based thing, eating a ton of vegetables, and really focused on food, Robbie Barbero. Uh, some of you guys might know him. You maybe stumbled into him on the DOC. Um, he goes by Mindful Diabetic Robbie. Um, he's doing some amazing things. He's out there um, basically doing like one-on-one counseling sessions with people, type 1 and type 2, about how to revolutionize your life with food. And he's not so. just trying to change people's lives. He's doing it himself. He's 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 walking the walk and talking the talk, you know? Yeah, honestly, I don't think in just the hour we talked, I don't know if there's a person that's walking the walk. <laughs> to that, yeah, him. yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot and I have, I'm not a vegan. And so this was definitely, I think it's one of those things with people with diabetes can appreciate. It's all about lifestyle choices and the fluctuations in your blood sugar due to diet and exercise. More diet actually than anything else. So I think we got into some really cool, like fundamentals of what diabetes even is and how even if you have type one, you can have elements of insulin resistance. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, if you're into like the way food affects your blood sugar, I don't know if we could have gone harder than that than we did on the show. Yeah, I learned we went a lot. in deep on the food and blood sugar effect. And I think, uh, and I even put this in walking hash, you know, uh, hashtag of walking science project. Some of the things that he said today makes me really reflect on what I'm putting in my body and maybe how I can better my diabetes management. No doubt. Yeah, I think it challenged us all to think a little bit deeper about those things. For sure. So yeah, we'll get into all that. Um, yeah, if you want to check him out, um, before the show starts up, um, go to YouTube. He's got some amazing videos there. We mentioned some of those. Yeah. All you have to do is just search, what, Mindful Diabetic Robbie yep. on YouTube. Yep. And you can have all those those shows. We're going to link up all these things, too. Um, if you go to MindfulDiabetic.com, that's also a good place to get started with him. Yeah. Uh, but before we jump into this, this episode with him um, from L.A., He's in L.A. We're in Oklahoma Santa City. Monica. Is that the same thing? Is that like a suburb? Yeah, I think so, right? I don't know. <laughs> don't judge us. Let's not say he's from L.A. He's from Santa Monica. Hey, if you want to talk about suburbs of Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah. We got you covered. Well, yeah, we definitely. Okay, so yeah, we'll definitely put in the show notes how you, how you can and contact him and stalk him on social media. Oh, yeah, we got all that covered. Announcements. Announcements. It's a ritual. Amazon's amazing. We love you guys for making your purchases through there. If you click that banner, um, we're not actually giving you a high five, but it's kind of like a virtual high Mental, five. Mentally. Yeah, mental. mental and bookmark it. I think you saw that in the last one, which I didn't. I don't I have not done yet myself, but yeah, bookmark it and please purchase a ton of stuff for the holidays. <laughs> if you've made it 34 episodes into the show and you're confused <laughs> about how it works, which is a real possibility, or if you're confused about anything that we say, Shoot us an email, info at diabetesdailygrind.com. Or Ryan at diabetesdailygrind.com. He will answer you directly. <laughs> Please do. I love doing those things. Just kidding. Actually, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Okay, so yeah, social media. You know, love, like, share anything that we have on all the... Like I said in the last one, we're the only thing that we're not on currently is Snapchat. Yep, and the way the show spreads the fastest is a direct share. So if you have somebody in your life you know that's struggling with diabetes or just anybody that's a newly diagnosed type 1, we try mm-hmm. to make this show um, catered to anybody 
along the stretch yep. of type one. And I think specifically with this show, we've got some good content for people that are diagnosed in the first couple of years. Oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. And finally, I say that loosely, speak pipe. Speak. We are still working on, hopefully, um, ask us anything episode three. So we've got a couple of messages and thank you for the people that have been brave enough to leave us a message. And it doesn't have to be a question necessarily. It can just be something like, Hey, I have diabetes and here's what I'm thinking about any input or whatever. And if we don't have the answers, we'll find somebody that does and, uh, entertain. Yep. And we've got two. Yay. Now. So we're two of the way or two out of the five messages we there to do and ask us anything. What up Wichita, Kansas? Hey, okay. By the out. time this show releases, um, It'll be like right around the corner from when I'm going to be on. Oh, Dr. Oz. I forgot. Oh, my gosh. Ryan just turned red because he's incredibly humble. Yep. It's happening. So it's we'll definitely. Happening. We'll we'll have this out. We've been talking about this on the show at all. No. Yeah. Going to be on the Dr. Oz show on November 23rd. The DOC. I think it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a Diabetes Daily Grind featured appearance but it has to go but you're back. representing oh i'm representing i'm a doc at heart so um we're gonna I'm, I'm sure we'll wrap that out but i was proud uh to be on the show and talk about health and talk about my private my my prior life with health core yeah and uh just the the tremendous impact that that health core has and got to really feature um that amazing organization so you're so used to hearing Dr. Ryan Ryan yeah. geek out on the show, but you can you'll be able to see him, <laughs> literally see him. Are you wearing your white coat? I'm not. No, I'm, I'm oh, in a suit. Okay. I'm okay. Suit. All right. Well, you'll see Ryan in a suit, and but what I actually look like in person <laughs> outside <laughs> right. of the mic, not a still shot Instagram photo. Right. So yeah, not photoshopped. We dropped you know 80 pounds off of every single one of your photos. So oh yeah, shoot, <laughs> actually you can see the real me. Right. For once. Okay. Well, that's coming up. If I'm, I'm sure we'll blast it on oh, Instagram yeah. as much as possible. You'll see it out yeah. soon. So it was a great time. I loved it. New York City is awesome. I went in on a Friday, flew back out on a Saturday. Boom. Great times. It's okay. all about this. It's been a month of travel. My God. That's why we're exhausted as I lose my voice. <laughs> <clears throat> that's how they say you're supposed to do it, right? Going into the holidays. Uh, like, like what? High stress and traveling <laughs> I'm kidding, constantly? I'm talking okay. about I'm, uh, I'm, I'm joking. We feel great. I promise. All right. Well, let's let's get this party started. Let's get it going. Welcome Thanks. to Podcast 34 with Robbie Barbero. <laughs> now we're recording. Okay. Round we're recording. T- round three. Okay. We're, we're kind of round two, but. All right. Now we're calling Robbie. This is how professional we are. <laughs> we just thought recording 30 shows was professional. 33. Ryan, how you doing? Woo! What's up, Robbie? Round All two. Right. <laughs> okay, we made it. This is round three. We are yeah. so sorry. We're here. We are here. <laughs> it's all good. No worries, man. Okay, we got to give the listeners a backdrop. We, we, we just called Robbie, and we had a great intro going. We, it was great dialogue. dialogue. It, yeah. was, it was great dialogue. Like, instant, like, great five minutes, and then I looked down and realized none of it was recording. Excuse <laughs> me. That's why we're paid the big bucks. <laughs> We're real people. It's, it's, all, real. it's all good. There's yeah. nothing to worry about. I just uh, applaud you for picking up the phone. Yeah. A second time. <laughs> okay, so. Okay, so we'll just re I'll re explain the backstory again. Yeah. So, um, Veg Amy, we established in the previous five minutes that you, you've met Amy McKinnon before. 
And I was talking to Amy about a year and a half ago, and she was like, hey, first person you got to talk to in the, in the plant-based world, somebody that's treating and living with type 1 diabetes with a plant-based diet, you got to talk to mindful diabetic Robbie. Check out his Instagram, go to his YouTube. And I was like, oh, cool. I got to do this. And ever since... You've been stalking him. Yeah, you've been stalking stalking him. him. We've been checking out his stuff. And now we've got Robbie on the show. So welcome, man. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, Amy, I think Amy's awesome. I think she's on your show, but I hope everybody knows about her. But she's doing amazing work, and her athletic athleticism is just very inspiring. It's inspiring. And I got to tell you, because I think she put on something on social media today that she was received her letter um, to be accepted into the Boston Marathon. That chick um, blows my mind. I mean, she is really, yeah. I think she did some yeah. fundraiser where she ran like 50 marathons in six months. Yeah, that was a part of the whole... Or 50 half marathons in six months? It was half, a huge yeah, amount of running. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah, I think she's part of this thing, I think, with Paul Coker, yeah. who is a graduate of our coaching program, where he's, uh, he's running 40 marathons. 40 half marathons oh, that's in right. one year to, to celebrate 40 years of living with type 1 diabetes, wow. which is amazing. And, and I think that speaks so. to how many different ways you can live your life with type 1. And that's why we started the podcast, because we wanted to just really open up um, everybody's perspective. Um, and I think that's why we love doing the podcast so much, too, is because we get to learn um, a tremendous amount here. And uh, I think the focus today, talking with you, we, we just want to really hammer on the food idea. And I know you're, you're yeah. in, the, in the food mecca. We talked about that in the, the five-minute <laughs> no. five preview show. Yeah, so tell us again, tell us again Robbie, where, where are you located out of? And then tell us about the food porn, um, about the industry in which you are a part of, because you have the, you've got it all at your fingertips. Yeah, so... Um, I am super blessed to live in Santa Monica, California, uh, on the west side of town, very close west to the water. And mm-hmm. West side, exactly. Uh, have you guys ever been to Los Angeles? I have. Okay. Have well, you if you ever come Never again, let me, let me know so I can give you a tour of the farmer's market. The farmer's market's incredible. The wholesale produce market in downtown Los Angeles gets some of the best imports from all over the world. So we're just really lucky here with quality produce. Dude, when you're talking about like exotic imports, what are the what are the kind of exotic foods you tend to pick up like pretty regularly? Yeah, uh, good question. I don't have to eat that much exotic stuff. It's more so that the the regular staple items are just really high quality, uh, and I get to pick from a lot of different brands. So when I go to the wholesale market and I shop for mangoes. I get to go through about 40 different vendors, and each vendor has a couple different brands. So I get, I get options. Okay, I can go from this farm from Ecuador, or I can buy from this farm that's coming from Mexico at this time of year, or wow. this variety. And, and so I just really get the, the opportunity to have super high-quality stuff. And most of us living here, you know, landlocked. We, we forget that there's actually different varieties of mangoes <laughs> and papayas and that kind of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, super it cool, is. man. That is so cool. Yeah. You've also, you've like, you found a way to intertwine it into having type one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of like what we were talking about a little bit in our other, other segment. That, uh, <laughs> segment but, one, the mystery series. Um, but like you know, a big thing about what I'm what I'm trying to do, what I want to do in the diabetes community is 
just raise awareness for the option that a low-fat, high-carbohydrate approach that includes lots of fruits, lots of starches, are foods that people can eat. It's a lifestyle you can live if you want to. It's a choice. And uh, it's the same thing. I mean, for the low-carb people, you guys need, you need to choose one way or the other. Being in the middle is where you don't want to be. It's for, like, you're not going to get any, any extraordinary results. But, like, if you choose the... The, the low carb, then you don't get to eat like lots of fruit and lots of potatoes and stuff like that. But then it's the same thing. If you choose low fat, high carb, well, then you don't get to enjoy a lot of fat. So, I mean, you get to, it's a choice. It's a, it's a personal choice. And I just want the people, the community to come together and just realize, hey, let's respect each other. Let's, you know, celebrate each other's progress in whatever we're doing and just like be a team and, and really support each other. Well, I think one of the things, and not even diabetes, related i mean it's it's a lifestyle choice for all of us um and hopefully with the people that are pre-diabetes it's about prevention but i want to make sure that our listeners know before we really dive into that lifestyle what your life has been like with with type 1 diabetes so if you don't mind sharing what was your diagnosis story like how were you diagnosed at what age and um and how your family handled it yeah, so I'd love to talk about that. So I was diagnosed January 26, 2002. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the way it all went down is my older brother actually had type 1 diabetes, so he yeah. still does. He has at the time. So my family was familiar with the condition. And for several weeks prior to my diagnosis, I was complaining to my mom saying, hey, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm going to the bathroom all the time. I think I have diabetes. And she was like, no, 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 you don't. Don't worry about it. And then eventually she was, uh, she was gone. We were living in Minnesota at the time, and she was in Florida looking at uh, houses with my dad. That, you know, we were going to move to Florida so my mom could take care of her parents and all that. So she was gone, and I was home, just me and my older brother. I have two older brothers, and uh, the, the middle one is the one who has type 1. So me and him, we were just me and him at home. And one morning, I was talking to my mom, saying, hey, how's it going? What's going on? Checking in. And I was like, last night, I was cramping. I couldn't sleep. It was terrible. She's like, okay, go upstairs and use your brother's meter and test yourself. Uh. So I tested myself, and I was over 400. Ooh. And my brother, right then, and he was in high school at the time, and he was like, hey, pack your bags. You're going to the hospital for a couple of days because you have diabetes. <laughs> like yes, diabetes. When you went to test your own blood sugar... Did your brother prick your finger, or did you do it yourself? Uh, I'm pretty sure my, my brother probably picked my finger. I was going to say, for somebody who fair. doesn't have the disease, like to have the courage to prick your own finger would have been, <laughs> I would have applauded you. But okay, yeah. so your brother pricked your finger, and thank goodness, I mean, not thank goodness. I mean, I I think it's, un, uh, I'm, I'm happy that you had a family member that knew exactly what to do. So your, did your brother rush you to the hospital? No, so the first thing is we went to the standard doctor, and then we did. A, he did a I don't know what the, what check he did, um, but then he decided, yeah, you're probably type one, and then then I went to the hospital after that. How did those first few years evolve with having a brother that had type one? Um. You know, honestly, I don't really think that much really changed. I, I sort of knew what to do, and, and our relationship was still the same. We still fought all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I was just, I've always been the type of person that's really been on top of it. 
So, like, in the beginning, even when I was following the standard American diet, you know, I would measure out my Fruit Loops, and I would measure out my milk, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd measure it out. I was, you know, at that point, we lived in Minnesota, and my parents wanted me to have the best care possible, so they always took us to the Mayo Clinic. We would drive, like, several hours to the, to the Mayo Clinic, and they had this whole system. Hey, you have to have, a, you know, this and this at dinner, so, like, this many carbs, and then they'd have a fruit, so I always had a fruit, you know, like, on the side. And so it was very regimented, and I just followed what I was supposed to do. And, and you know, obviously, the first few years, you, for most people, you get, you're in the honeymoon phase, so it, it goes out, it goes pretty pretty well. And how old were you I, I don't, at that point? Yeah, I was 12, just about to turn 13, so I turned 13 in March. Okay. I was diagnosed in January. All right. Yeah. So you knew yep. life before diabetes, and then you were, thank goodness for your brother, kind of knew the yep. the path. So for sure, absolutely, that's absolutely. Rare. My parents always said, you know, you know, don't worry about it; it's not a big deal. It's just just an inconvenience, and that's it. So my parents were always, you know, very supportive, and you know, just reminding us that you know we still do whatever we want. Did you have any other family members um, that had type one? I think it skipped a couple generations. Like a great great grandmother had type one diabetes. Interesting. That, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's yeah. like male pattern baldness. Don't they say every other? <laughs> like, I mean, that's a horrible example. But <laughs> okay. sorry. Um, okay, so yeah, you're you're now thirteen. You've got diabetes. And so yeah, what's your regimen been like? Um, have you have you gone from shots to pumps back shots to pumps like yeah. what's it been like for you? Um, I've I've never so I've always been on shots. I try. I was on. What? I did a test trial of of, of the pump. So yeah. I did the pump for for like maybe one or two days uh, in, as a uh, as a saline solution, and that was literally just so I could get approved for like one of the early CGMs. Oh, um, uh-huh. And then eventually I decided I just, I can't stand this. I, I didn't like it attached to me. So I just forgot to forget about the CGM. Forget, and I didn't like, it was a Medtronic CGM. I didn't like it. So oh, I just, but in general, my whole, my whole story has been uh, a shock in general. Okay. So what insulins are you on? I take uh, Lantus for long acting. Uh, I take the Kubel. Right now, it fluctuates a lot, but right now it's between 18 and 19 at night of Lantus. All right. And then uh, for short acting, I take Humalog, and I take about roughly 20 total units of Humalog a day. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a great setup. That's a great setup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Lantis and Novolog. You're currently Ryan, what, right Levamir? Now, yeah, and... Levamir and Novolog. So we're actually, we have three people doing multiple <laughs> daily injections at one time on a diabetes podcast. That's a, that's a record. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's pretty rare. Most people are on pumps and we, we love the Omnipod. So, okay, let me ask you this. Um, are you on a, are you currently on a CGM? Yes, I love it. I have a Dexcom and I love it. I absolutely ah. love it. CG, okay, Dexcom four or five. The G5 is work, works on my phone. I never use a receiver, ever. Okay, let oh, me tell you, cool. I just started a trial, well, kind of two days ago, but I accidentally ripped out the sensor. So t- this morning, I got my second sensor. This is my first time ever in 33 years with technology. And game changer. This is a big deal, Rob. Absolutely. For her to do this. That's, a, that's huge. That's huge. It is. It is huge. And I'm going to tell you, because I was talking to my CDE this morning as she was putting in the the second sensor. 
I look forward to, I'm going to do a trial hopefully with the, the G5 because my trepidation currently, and I said this to Ryan earlier is, you know, I've got like an iPod. Is that what it's called? iPod, like in my pocket. So it's another thing to have to think about. And if I just had an app on my phone, of course, that would be so much easier. So I... Yeah. Pretty soon you'll take it to the next level. It's even better when you have an iWatch. You just look at your oh, wrist. Oh, see, but yes. I feel like I would be OCD. I mean, I feel like I've heard it's addicting. So do you feel like you're constantly checking it? No, I don't think... I turned off all the alarms. So, uh, okay. I only, I just look at it whenever, you know, I want to know it. And it just doesn't become obsessive. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's a brilliant strategy. I've gone back and forth on the Medtronic CGM now for two years. And it's, yeah, I I enjoy it more whenever I'm looking at it occasionally. And and I think the the going rogue, like getting off the, the alert map. I think it, that could be very freeing. Yeah, you, you got any more advice for Amber as she launches in on this? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely just um, be be patient with it. And yeah, obviously in the beginning, yeah, it's normal to like, don't, don't make decisions with it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I know that's how you can never make decisions based right. on it. Right. But eventually you get confident in its ability to work and you start making some decisions. But in general, like, you know, it'll tell you, oh, you're rising really quickly. You're like, oh, shoot, it's rising a ton, so I should take a little insulin. But it's like, yeah, no, nah, just chill for a little bit and see what happens in the next, like, 45 minutes. And then it usually ends up working out. Do you feel your lows? Are you and your highs? I mean. Oh, oh yeah, I just, I could feel both for sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like we're blessed in that. Ryan does too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people, and I think that's one of the blessings of having a CGM is for those folks that, don't feel it and so and it's good to hear to say to turn the uh, maybe to turn the alarms off should i ever decide to do it long term because i can sense it well you know the second i hit 80 yeah i I can feel it going down but it's nice to have the validation though of looking at the numbers and seeing i was right which sounds so crazy yeah Mm. absolutely i was curious robert you know we we just watched this uh this video you put up last week on youtube it's the like the yeah. Y8 and all blood sugar readings. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is a yeah. series for you. Like you've done this before over yeah. an entire day. And, and I think it just gives like a really good insight into your thinking mm-hmm. and, and what you do. And it shows like the preparation in a day. But I see the total carb reading is 800 grams, which is like a shocking yeah. number to a lot of people. Especially, yeah. yeah right. I made that plant-based switch like three years ago. And to me, I look at that number and I'm like, wow, that's still a lot of carbs. And I eat plant-based. So, you got to tell us about like your carb ratios and, and yeah, just how you use insulin now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think on that day, 833 grams of carbs was the total. And um, it was, I only ate like 3,300 calories. So it's not like an absurd amount of calories. Right. I mean, that's pretty normal for, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10". I weigh about... 148 pounds. I'm I'm active, uh, and I got a little bit of muscle on my body. So eating that many calories a day is not is not crazy. So no big thing. It's just that I eat such a small amount of protein and a small amount of fat. You know, probably about on that day it was probably about five percent, five or six percent of calories from protein and probably like four or five, something like that from uh, fat. So it's just because it's such low fat foods that the carbs are very high. But in general, the point is. The reason that uh, I follow that lifestyle in regards to diabetes is that 
it, a low-fat plant-based diet reverses insulin resistance. So insulin resistance, that's the cause of type 2 diabetes and right. pre-diabetes. And it's not talked about a lot in the type 1 diabetes community. So it is also a big factor in how predictable and how consistent a type 1's blood glucose management is. So somebody who exhibits more insulin resistance is going to have, in general, more challenges managing their blood glucose. There's going to be a lot of surprises, a lot of things that don't always make sense because they're really all over the place. Um, Okay. The the only exception to that is if somebody is doing a truly, truly, truly low-carb diet, like Bernstein-style, no more than 30 grams a day. At that point, at that point, it's very predictable. It's just a flat line. You're eating no carbs, which is, which is. But here's the thing. This is the thing that I want to raise awareness for in the diabetes community amongst uh, a a factual thing. Just based on facts here. Insulin resistance for a type 1, you can measure by the total amount of total grams of carbohydrate you consume a day divided by the total units of insulin you take per day. Uh So I believe on that day I had like 832 grams of carbs, and I think it was 39 total units. I think it was like 19 lantus and 20 fat-sack and something like that. And you do the math, I think it was like a 21 to 1 ratio. So for an entire day... Uh, every 21 grams of carbs I consumed, I needed one unit of insulin. So somebody like Bernstein, I think I heard a podcast for Bernstein that says he eats like 30 grams of carbs a day, and he has like, I think like 10 or 11 units of insulin per day. Yeah. So that would be a 3 to 1 24-hour ratio. So by definition, by definition, that is exhibiting insulin resistance. There's no question about it. So it's just, it's a, it's a different way of looking at things, and... Um, I think there's a, I know there's a lot of research out there that shows insulin resistance is a risk factor for things like heart disease mm-hmm. and, and other major diseases. So, so basically, back to the original thing I said, the reason I follow this low-fat plant-based diet where I eat a lot of carbs is because it reverses insulin resistance. And as far as total insulin consumption, the way I look at insulin is that insulin is a required hormone. All mammals produce insulin. It's necessary. There's nothing wrong with insulin itself. Right. And right now there's a lot of talk in the, uh, the weight loss world and the diabetes mm-hmm. community. There's this fear of insulin leading to weight gain. So if I eat more carbs, I need to inject more insulin and I'm going to gain weight. And that whole conversation is completely misguided. So what I do in my life and what, I'm, what we teach our clients to do in our coaching practice is we want to get you to your physiologically normal amount of insulin secretion. And, and that is what happens when people follow their low-fat plant-based diet. So just trying to tweak things in a way where you where you sort of hacking the system uh, using a, a backward sort of biology mechanism to follow a ketogenic diet and take less insulin is not, it does not mean you are healthier. It, it would, taking less insulin would mean you are healthier if at the same time you were finding a way for your pancreas to secrete more. Oh, That's a completely different yeah. conversation. So if somebody had figured that out, they, they should be winning a Nobel Peace Prize, and we all should be talking about how to do that. But that's not what's going on. What's mainly going on is you have the overall community trying to find ways to take less insulin by eating less carbs yep. and thinking that's better for them, and it's completely misguided. Well, I got to say, I'm sorry, Ryan. 
ahead. There was something on social media today, and I, I have to say that, like, I purposefully don't eat a ton of carbs. Like, I don't eat potatoes and some other things on a regular basis just because I'm trying to watch my weight. And there was somebody on social media today that said that they're, they've been on the Atkins diet and as a new person with type 1 diabetes, they're, they are thinking that mentality. And I yep. guess, I'm not going to say poorly guided because that's not fair because ever, you know, this woman is doing as much research as she can and thinking just like the average person, you know, cut back on the carbs, cut back on the insulin and uh, sure. I lose weight and I'll feel better. And for me, I have found that when I have a high carb meal, more, I'm going to say bread based and things like that, then it, it drags me down. I don't feel well. Mm. That's more my reason for not wanting the carbs. And yeah. I just, and- since knowing Ryan have really introduced a lot more fruit into my diet because it's not about the carbs. It's the type of carb. Ah, uh, amen. Yeah. That's important. I'm not, I don't necessarily want to, we don't necessarily need to talk about like your specific case or your diet or anything like that, but in general, when people, I look, I completely understand the amount of confusion. Diet of all the diseases, like heart disease, cancer, like what to do, what to eat if you have diabetes is so confusing oh, because because we you can manage the blood glucose and you can see instant results and it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense intuitively. So most people could like a type one diabetic could go like right now their next meal could be a high carbohydrate meal, it could be a fruit meal just like mine or you know a potato salad or something like that. Like we talk about in our coaching program, all that stuff. And they would, they absolutely would see a higher blood glucose reading than if they ate whatever they normally ate, and that is very confusing. It's like, Robbie, how in the world can you tell me that fruit or the potatoes didn't cause that high blood sugar? I just ate it, and here it is. I'm super high. How in the world, how the heck can you tell me that? And the, the reason is, is because it was not, it was not the carbs that were the problem. It was the fact that they're experiencing insulin resistance, right. and there is, and, insulin, and there was too, there's too much fat. Stored inside their blood, inside their cells, so in, intermyocellular fat. It's, it's inside the cell. So you need to take, there's like a transition period of eliminating that stuff. So the analogy is if you had a bathtub and you started running the water, okay, and then you clogged the drain and you kept the water running, eventually the water is going to spill over the edge and it's going to fall on the floor. But that is not the water's fault. That's the fact that the drain is clogged. Ah. And it's the same thing that's going on with people's blood glucose. So there has to be like a little bit of a transition period here. And it's also confusing in the whole diabetes frame because there are so many success stories of people doing an Atkins-style diet, a Bernstein-style diet, and, and they do lose weight. I mean, Bernstein himself, I mean, that guy is an amazing example. I mean, what he has done his whole life, his journey, and he's an amazing example. So Incredible. I get, I get the, I understand the confusion, and I'm just here to tell people, look, if you want to do Bernstein, like, do it. That's totally fine. Go, go all the way in and do it. Do it. I'm here to help people, hey, look, if it didn't work for you, if, it's, if you're struggling, if it's not going well, let me explain to you this other option that you have, and let me explain to you the science behind it, and you you can choose. Oh, I love this, yeah. Robbie. I mean, I, I wish you, yeah, I wish you would have given a lecture to our medical school class a couple of years ago about this specific topic, man. I mean, it is, 
it's incredible. And for me, I think my biggest problem with the ketogenic route and taking a look at it was the big picture ramifications that you're talking about and some yeah. insulin resistance that builds over time. Because on a daily basis, if you're eating a ketogenic approach that is somewhat centered on animal-based foods, you're not preventing chronic disease with every bite. And I felt like when I switched to the plant-based diet, I was like, I know for sure that every bite of food I'm taking is preventing future disease. Because the number one killer of people with type 1 is heart disease. Right. And MI. Absolutely. And it was like, you know. You you know what I'm saying? What's MI? You hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. That is exactly what's going on. So my message to people, again, look. If people are happy with their low-carb diet, like, I, I, I'm happy for them. I wish them nothing but success. I, I just, I'm not here to, like, change people's minds. Right. I'm here to, options. like, the yeah, people. A1Cs? Yeah. Hey, it's absolutely. great. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. You, got, you, you know, you're, you're feeling great. Your life is good. You've got a 4.5 A1C. I mean, I mean, bless your heart. I wish the best for you. So, like, keep it up. But you're exactly right. For the, pe- for the people that are struggling, it's not working. It's not going well. They're, 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 they're struggling to stick to that diet. There's this alternative approach where you get to literally eat pretty much unlimited quantities of food because there's so much water and fiber. And more importantly, you, 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 then you eat a factually, this is not my opinion, this is a factually more nutrient-dense diet. And you start eating a diet, the only diet that has been shown to reverse heart disease, the only, and the diet that is over, like over and over and over again shown to reverse many chronic diseases, I mean, e- even MS. So right. all this amazing research about, about, about overall health. So the point is that it, just because somebody became a type 1 diabetic and their pancreas is not working properly, that does not mean that you would then need to eat a different diet to support all the other tissues in your body, everything else in your cells. So what happens is somebody gets diagnosed with type 1, like, oh, my gosh, now I have to eat differently to keep my blood glucose in a certain range. And I, I, get, the, I get that thought process, but that is mistakenly because now – you can, you can go ahead and you can do a bursting approach and you could, you could fix your blood glucose and be a flat, straight line all day long. But that comes at a price. It comes at a, a, a very big price. I mean, even that, my salads, I mean, we're talking about nutrient density here. My salads, literally the <laughs> lettuce, the tomatoes, and the sweet peppers, those three ingredients in just a salad meal would be more than 30 grams of carbs. Oh, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. That's before I put in the, the fruit. That, that's before I put in, uh, you know, all, 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 even more vegetables. So the point is, if, if you're going to do a, a 30 grams of carbs or less a day of diet, you literally have to limit your vegetable consumption. Okay. You have to limit your nutrient intake. Let me ask you I'm this. concerned about that. Let me ask you, um, and this is, I'm going to say the climate of America right now, and unfortunately, we know how expensive this disease is. And you obviously eat a ton of fresh fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I'm going to say being here in Oklahoma, our access to that is the, is the farmer's market and a couple of great grocery stores. And I eat organic and we got it, whatever. But for the, let's just say the average person whose income, they're in the lower income bracket or they have type 2 diabetes and um, this whole thing is like, you know, the, well, the diet that you're talking about is not yeah. available. I would say that the average person is not living in a climate of 
California to where those are, they're readily available? Yeah, I, I love this question so much. So thank you for asking it. So um, I think, well, first of all, I'll answer the question, and then I'll go back to <laughs> uh, So this guy, well, actually, I'll go backwards. Okay, the problem with my Instagram is that my Instagram, and I don't make enough YouTube videos yet, but the problem with my Instagram is that all, I'm showing just what I'm eating, and it's all these amazing fruits, and it's large quantities of fruits, and it's these, these wholesale roots of all, like, boxes and boxes of produce. And somebody looks at that, and they're like, oh, my gosh. If, you know, in my hometown, in order for me to buy that, it's, right. just, it's just ridiculous. There's no way I could possibly do that. And <laughs> I, I, do, I do recognize that that is a little bit of a problem. I don't know exactly how to fix that. But it's but I am. No, we no, are, no. We, Let me, I don't want to call we, you out on that. That's a negative. Oh, no, 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 for sure. Okay. No, no, I understand. But I just want... I, we, I, my, my colleague and I, Dr. Cyrus Kambada, we're launching a new website. It's going to be called MasteringDiabetes.com. We, uh, we're going to have, um, we're going to have like a, probably another Instagram so we can showcase the other affordable side. But the point is, anybody who's listening to this can ask themselves that same question. I want you to Google, Google forks over knives, oh, yeah. $1.50 per day. There's yeah, an article that my, my good friend, Darshana Thacker, she's a chef at Forks and Knives. So I worked at Forks and Knives for six, six years, so I'm biased. But she wrote an article of where she lived on a dollar and fifty cents per day, she bought all her food from the dollar store and a couple other cheap locations. And the point is that you can absolutely follow a low-fat, plant-based diet, get a ton of nutrients and a, and all the energy you need on a, on a really cheap budget. So we're talking about rice, beans. Uh, I mean, even quinoa and like, we're talking about like canned vegetables, things like that. Those things yeah. are still incredibly healthy. Frozen spinach, still, frozen broccoli. Uh, absolutely. Frozen stuff. These are, and also another person, Jeff Novick, he has uh, DVDs, jeffnovick.com. He has DVDs called Fast Food, Volume 1, 2, and 3, I believe. And he shows the most amazing way. And he's, he's like, he's probably my, he is my favorite nutrition guru out there. There's no question about it. Jeff Novick, the guy is a legend. He has these DVDs. Well, he, he does uh, like a nutrition analysis for every single nutrient and, and all the RDAs oh, and how to, to get ev- everything you need. And he shows you how to make all these meals in less than five minutes. He shows you exactly what ingredients to buy. He's got like Pommy uh, tomatoes, so like Pommy is a tomato sauce you can get on Amazon. It's crazy cheap. Okay. Uh, you yeah, can buy we'll, like these. We'll link all this stuff up too in the show notes. Awesome, absolutely. So the point is that if you emphasize starch, it can be super cheap. Also, if you emphasize bananas and dates and plantains on the fruit side, you can get a lot of calories, and it can also be super cheap. And if you emphasize frozen fruits, frozen vegetables, it's available year-round. They're also inexpensive, and uh, the bottom line is there's, it can be done on any budget. Hey everyone, Ryan here, coming to you trail side. Just finished up with a bike ride at Lake Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma. Anyways, I'm going to tell you about one of our partners who made today's episode possible. Lynn Institute in Oklahoma is creating better health through medical research. Help yourself now and improve the future of diabetes treatment. Lynn is actively enrolling type 1 and type 2 diabetes trials. All lab work and medication are free of charge. Compensation for time and travel are provided and care is provided by an on-site endocrinologist. Get involved at lhsi.net. Also check out locations in Little Rock, Arkansas 
Denver, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. Or just click the link along the right side of DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Let's get back to the trail and the show. Officer, I ain't been drinking. My blood sugar is low. Bolo some insulin to get it all in, you know. And I really feel like the future now is going to bring this into, I'd say, a feasibility that is that is much more than it has been in years past. I mean, we're access to this produce and, and just having bananas around. Uh, not to mention yep. that it's not to mention that bananas are a really fattening food, Robbie. I'm, I'm joking, man. <laughs> but it's no, but but seriously, like we're about to have like this this amazing, I think, stretch here in our lifetime where we're gonna have a ton of access to these things. Well, and people are starting to garden again too. Like, oh, true. Yeah, yeah. most of my friends, we yeah, everybody I know it's coming has, back has a plant or two. So, do you grow anything yourself, Absolutely. Robbie? You know, I, I don't. I live next to a, a community garden in Santa Monica, so there's a lot of people growing things. But uh, I contribute compost. I don't contribute. I don't grow anything. <laughs> okay, let me ask you with the community garden. Do you, when you roll into that, can you just pick from other people's things? Or is it like, what's the protocol there? Yeah, no, you shouldn't. Don't do that. Uh, we, we, uh, <laughs> you, you, your friend, like friends, like the guy I contribute compost to, he's happy to let me take whatever I want. My neighbor, she has a plot. She's been there for like 20 years. She's like, we're friends. I can, I can take stuff, no problem. Nice. And sometimes when you're there and your guard, like you're doing your thing, I'm dropping my compost. Somebody else is working on their plot. Yeah, you, know, you just talk to them and right. people are sharing. So it, it's a, it's a, that's a nice vibe, but no, you can't just go there and take people's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. I'd be beaten up. And- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, and I also want to say, because I watched one of your um, YouTube videos today, and it was, I think the guy, um, it was Adam, and about, and this ling- language, I have to say, is kind of new, and being in a part of the DOC, anybody that says they're going to reverse diabetes, I, you know, it's kind of like, eh, I'm not going to say taboo, but... And I do believe because we had a guest um, on episode number two, one of our dear friends, John Brandenburg, who really did reverse his type two diabetes uh, diagnosis, essentially through diet and exercise. He completely changed his lifestyle. So kudos to you for putting Adam on the show. And it was fascinating hearing his stories. So would you say with the people that you work with, what's the ratio of type one versus type two? Okay. Great question. Uh, it's about 50-50. Nice. And wow. I, I will say that um, type 2 diabetes, if, if it truly is type 2 diabetes, like if they are still producing a truly sufficient amount of insulin, right. I, will, I will stand by it every single time. It might take a little longer in some cases, but I stand by it 100%. If they are producing a sufficient amount of insulin, you can reverse type 2 diabetes. No question about it. Now, are there people who have had it for a long, long time and really should be maybe more so classified as a type 1.5 at this point? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a different story. But... um, but there's no doubt um, if somebody's a full-blown type 2, like, they can reverse it. So Adam, uh, he's in, I was just working out with him this morning. He lives in Santa Monica, and he truly is a, a great story. And uh, it, it, it varies. I mean, it took him a, a several months um, for him to really get to his point where he didn't, he didn't need any medication, and he, all his blood glucose readings were technically by the book 
non-diabetic. Well, so sometimes I, that takes months. What I loved about his story too, and he said it when like when he went back to the doctor and he was he had lost 50 something pounds and the doctor was like, oh, let's just cut back on your metformin. He was like, you know, and they were going through that whole conversation. He was like, yeah, I quit taking it a couple months ago. And the doctor, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. when he explained it, I'm like, and the doctor looked back and was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I, I'm not going to curse, but I, we need to be sure as people with diabetes and as advocates that we, we make sure that our endocrinologists and the people in the health realm, I know that they can't prescribe or whatever, but hear the stories and can hopefully make those recommendations, diet and exercise, obviously. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, that's, that's why Dr. Kimbada and I have, have really started this coaching program. We have a group coaching program. It's because doctors don't have the time and the resources to provide the full amount of support that's necessary. And, uh, you know, I don't fault them. They're, they're in a very tough, tough position. Yeah, Ryan's so, in medical school, uh, he barely has time to buy test strips. So I can yeah. imagine having them educate themselves on something other than what's the textbook. Hey, this so. is a, a perfect timing for this. So I was, I was in the hospital uh, yesterday, and everybody was going around the room and, and saying what they were interested in. And, you know, people were saying like, oh, you know, I'm really interested in You like, weren't actually in the hospital, like as in you're a patient. You we're, were in the hospital, yeah. but it's a group of us yeah. uh, med students being talked to by a doctor. And the right. doctor's like, hey, what's everybody interested in? And people are like orthopedics, you know, hematology, oncology, maybe peds, neuro, all this stuff. And I get to me <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm really interested in health. Like, I just want to, I, I would love to be, I would love to reverse some chronic disease with health. And I said it, and like everybody looked around, and they were like, "Oh, we really don't know where that fits." And I was like, <laughs> "Who is this guy? What does that say that we can't find a place for that to fit right now?" And, uh, I'm surprised you didn't get kicked so out. Funny. <laughs> yeah, but no, that it's it's interesting stuff, Robbie. And I, I was curious, man how how what's the usual time course for someone that enrolls in your program to start, you know, like seeing those changes that we've been talking about? Like, what does it usually move? Like, I know each person's different, but... Have you, have yeah, you absolutely. Plans? So we will see positive change in literally a matter of days. No question about it. When it comes to uh, energy, for sure, the, people's energy improves. Lots of times, people who have any achiness issues, the inflammation stuff, uh, that improves. And for, for type 1 diabetics, so we run these four-day retreats. And we've done three retreats so far, and every single person in all of them saw medication reduction. So for type 1 diabetics, they're eating more carbs, taking less insulin. And this is where we're, in four days. And this is where we're feeding them. Uh, we're having them exercise twice a day, so that's a big impact. But we're also feeding them basically no added fat. So it's just straight up fruits and vegetables. And that in combination with two two bouts of, it's not crazy exercise, it's just activity. Moving twice a day, the rapid results are kind of, we, we literally had one guy uh, reverse type 2 diabetes in four days. He came to the retreat on 2,000 milligrams of metformin. And by the, this was, this first retreat was like seven days. By the fourth day, he... He was not taking any metformin anymore, and he saw fasting readings under 100 every single day for the rest of the retreat. Okay, let me ask you this. When you, do, when you do the retreats um, with you and the doctor, uh, are there other people involved, like CDEs? or you know, I mean, how often are they checking the numbers? Are you guys taking blood at the beginning, blood at the end? I mean, how are you? Yeah. So um, we don't have any, like, formal blood work done. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, we do. We have we have medical doctors at both retreats. Okay. Or the well, so actually, we, it was not a medical doctor in the first one. That was technically a chiropractic doctor in the first one. Uh, then the second two, Dr. Gambada and I did just meet him uh, and, and our colleague, Jules. Uh, we had uh, a medical doctor, Nancy Bohannon. She's amazing. She's a legend. She was literally, uh, I think it was on like the Today Show or something, one of the first people showing how to use a blood glucose meter when they first came out a long, long time ago. She's like a legend in this field. So she was there. And then we had uh, another doctor from Alabama at the other one, Dr. Gibson. So... We do have uh, professionals there, but again, we're, we're still we're not practicing medicine at any of these yeah, retreats because yeah. even if you have even if you have a medical doctor there, they're from they're from out of state. So um, we what we do is we we just tell we teach them. Di- I mean, diabetes one on one. Most of these people already know this stuff, but you know they're they're testing blood glucose all the time, and we're teaching them how to be conservative. Say, hey, look, we know your insulin sensitivity is going to improve, so you know. What we've done, what we see other people do, is we, we cut back by 20%, and then, and then they decide, okay, how, how do you want to go about doing that? Oh, so, that's awesome. Okay. But, that's incredible. Gosh. Yeah, it's super fun. But they also, I will say, so for type 2, so for type 1, you see results immediately because you're testing your blood glucose all the time and you're, you're measuring your insulin, you see the dramatic results right away. Type 2, if some people, if they're very overweight and their liver is stagnant and, and it's a problem, it, it, it takes a while. I mean, they definitely see improvement uh, right away and, uh, you know, can reduce their medication, but getting completely off it for some people can take several months. Yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. on the order of months, but yeah. not, not even really years, though. This is no, definitely not month here. For sure. conversation, no, right? No. Well, and just yeah, if somebody does it a hundred percent, I cannot imagine it would ever take anybody more than twelve months. In, in no case. Well, and just like Adam in that one, um, and we'll actually put this in the show notes. Um, your conversation with how Adam reversed type two diabetes. He does talk about like the change in the diet, how quickly it. And considering he was in a very unique scenario to where he had to request a special diet, and what a difference it made. Um, in his treatment for other things in addition to his type 2. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And that, that's a huge part of our overall message, and you hit it, on, hit it on earlier, Ryan, is that we are not just treating people's diabetes health. I'm not, we're not treating anything. We're, we're not just helping people improve their diabetes health and their blood glucose, we're helping them improve their overall health, every single part of their being. I mean, they're, I mean, we're talking about people with depression issues. We're talking about, you know, people with weight issues, people with chronic fatigue. I mean, everything. We're going, this is, this is a total health approach. The whole, and that, I think, is one of the most challenging topics for somebody with diabetes because our whole lives we've only treated diabetes in a silo. You know, we've taken our yeah. insulin, we've seen our endocrinologist, but to then incorporate diabetes into this whole health whole thing that we need to right. do whenever yeah. we get older into adulthood, I think that's one of the most challenging things. You just identified it right there. It's like bringing yeah. diabetes into the big picture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, okay, looking back, um, if we were to, to, if you can do this, I know this is hard sometimes, can you target like one specific moment where this food philosophy started? Oh, boy, that's a great question. Ah, it would probably be my dad, I mean, the very, very beginning. I mean, it's just like, this was just like the, 
the tip of the iceberg. It wasn't a big deal of, of changes, but it was the tip of the iceberg. My my dad sold Herbalife supplements, uh, and I think it was a networking marketing thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so that that was the beginning where he started. I'm learning, reading his literature and stuff he's talking about, and it's like something clicked in my head. Like at every step of the the, the, the journey, everything always made sense. Like, it was like, hey, when somebody told me to eat grass beef instead of, grass-fed beef instead of, like, McDonald's beef, that made sense. That was a logical progression. When somebody said, hey, have have raw milk instead of pasteurized milk, it's like, okay, well, the pasteurization, maybe it's killing it. Like, it all made sense. So, at that point, it was like, hey, take these supplements because the food we're eating in our soil has, has really been, you know, been degraded. So, like, it made sense to me. So, I was a huge advocate. You know, and that was that was the beginning. And he moved on to another company called Usana, and I actually I, I was a big advocate of their products, and I actually won a scholarship award. I won a thousand dollar scholarship from them for writing an essay about taking my supplements and all that stuff. So awesome. it was just slow progression, but that's where it started. Yeah, I think it has to start somewhere, and like that making sense concept is really big. I think because we can't just do stuff for weight loss or A1Cs, those are really good like external goals, but I think you're onto something there. I think it's like it has to, something has to click like in the soul, you know? For sure. Some of this like lifestyle, like lifelong change, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I've got, a, I got another question for you here. And we've kind of, we've touched on this a little bit tonight, just in, in regards to the naming of type one and type two diabetes. And how we're pretending like, you know, they're, they're two separate things. But, like, if you could go back in time and just rename both of them, yeah. would you do it? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great question. You know, boy, that's, that's, uh, that's a loaded question. Um, I think it there, are, okay. so many, there are so many similarities about, where... Like, type 1's yeah, getting confused with type 2's. You well, know? and 2, the word that's diabetic. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I mean, part of me is like, hey... I would love to see the community brought together. Hey, we're all one, and we're, yeah. we're just yeah. dealing with yeah. these yeah. challenges. But, but at the same time, my honest answer is, I wish they were completely different. They should have completely different names and, and should not, not be confused because there's, there's, some, there's some big differences. Disease process is totally different in both. I think the name centers on you know, sugar in the urine. Well, and pancreas. I mean, right? In pancreas. And so... We're looking at really the end outcomes as the disease name and not really the why. And now we actually know the why for some of these things. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I, I'm just, just, I'm just, I, mean, I hadn't thought about this until just this moment, but I think <laughs> anybody who's experiencing type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes should literally, it should just be diagnosed with insulin resistance. Yeah. And then somebody who's dealing with type 1 diabetes should be diagnosed with, you know, pancreas damage or something, you know? <laughs> pancreas you know? Yeah, beat up pancreas or something, you know? <laughs> Dude, that exact what you said there. I was that's what was going through my mind when you were talking about it earlier. I was like, we're talking about the whys here, and the whys are really different. So Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, because I think sometimes people just the whole diabetes thing and diabetes foods and diabetes cookbooks, it can uh, get confusing. Yeah. That's the confusing part. But Absolutely, for well, sure. Added some clarity tonight. Maybe something that we, because we just our last podcast was all about national. This is National Diabetes Awareness Month. Maybe we'll see some changes in the courses of the next couple of years. Uh, the course of the next couple of years about the difference. I mean, 
you know, we have, Ryan and I have always said we want to bridge the gap because oh, that's if you what we're have, trying to do. Yeah. yeah. If you have, if you have the disease, diabetes, whether it's type one, one and a half, three, whatever, we're all living with something that's greatly affecting our um, lifestyles and yep. hopefully through diet and exercise and everything and insulin as a tool, we can manage our lives and have a, a quality of life period. So yeah, I have to ask just because we didn't, and normally when we have somebody on with diabetes, so with, you know, you do have a very unique diet and things like that. So what is your goal, uh, blood sugar range every day? What's your, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, my old school goal that I was originally in the Mayo Clinic had told me was between 70 and, and 120. That's, so, yeah. Uh, some, <laughs> some people say between like 80 and, and 130 is more ideal. So, um, yeah, my goal, uh, after a meal, I would, I mean, my goal is to wake up with a fasting blood glucose somewhere around a hundred for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And with, with, with the Dexcom, and, you know, the, the thing for it, the ability for it to beep at you and stuff, I, and I think in this day and age, that's totally reasonable. Totally. I do understand some, some physicians, you know, want to be a little bit more conservative because, hey, it's better to wake up a little high than, you know, die in your sleep or something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I, I get the conservative approach. But definitely, so I want to wake up somewhere around 100, and then um, after a meal, like two hours, two, on a, on a uh, high-carb diet, usually it, it can take a little bit, longer to come down like it comes down a little bit slower it's like two hours two and a half hours maybe three hours or so i want to be i want to be somewhere around like 120-ish if i'm like 140 it's not a big deal i'm not that worried about it but i'd like to be somewhere between like 100 120 somewhere on there do me a favor just because like i said i'm new to dexcom and i'll like and i'm loving to see the little the trickle and the trends and everything like that would it be possible to have you send us like it's not like a a picture of like a two hour range after one of your high carb meals so oh, yeah, that we can see sure. how lo- you know, slowly it comes down or whatever. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. For sure. Dude, what you're talking about reminds me of what Stephen Ponder talks about, Dr. Stephen Ponder and the sugar surfing idea and like how it's, it's almost better to aim for like a, like a one hour after the meal, like goal of 170 or like 160, instead of just trying to keep your blood sugar at whatever your pre-mill blood sugar was. Because then you right. like you have a different aiming point post-mill, which, you know, isn't something I yeah. don't think we're taught growing up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like normal human physiology, a very healthy person who does not have diabetes, everything is working fine, who's following, you know, what I think is our biologically designed diet, uh, it's going to have a little bit of a rise after a meal. Like, that's totally normal. So, like, uh, as type 1, you know, to expect to not have a rise and always think you should always have a flat line, it's just not, it's not that, it's not realistic in general, even if you weren't a type 1, and it's definitely not that realistic, uh, you know, as a type 1. But I will say, I will say, if somebody really, really, really cares about that and they want to try really, really, really hard you can you can tweak and modify things to a point where you can get pretty darn close. You'd like to, to have that spike be pretty darn low, like maybe go up to like 140 or 150 and then come right back down. And the way that's done is, number one, on a low-fat plant-based diet, insulin timing is huge. So when you inject, so when you inject the insulin and how long you wait 
to begin eating that high-carb meal is a big deal, so you got to monitor that. And then the second thing is adding either green or cruciferous vegetables to each meal can absolutely blunt the spike. And you can also add um, plant-based protein powder. That's another thing that could blunt the spike. So if somebody wanted to tweak it a little bit and, you know, look at their Dexcom data and really, really figure it out, somebody could, you, you could do that. It's just, you know, gotta, an extra extra amount of work. Yeah, well, we're going to play around with this. Well, and I got to okay. tell you, I, I'm, okay, so... I'm not as familiar with um, Dr. Ponder's like the sugar surfing. I understand the concept as a whole. Today, this morning, I made a I made a poor decision, uh, and I, I hate to <laughs> no, say that. No, I mean, it's hey, like, no bad decision. I'm a it's walking science project. We all know that we are. But so I woke up. Um, it was like 8:30. My blood sugar was high. I'm hormonally challenged right now. That was kind of to be expected. It was at 270. So I shoot up for the correction there. And knowing, because I eat the breakfast smoothie every day, the same thing for the most part, which has hemp protein and all kinds of other things. I I kind of have a, I know the carbs that are going into that. So I gave the shot. I know my blood sugar is high. So I went back and laid down and did my guided meditation. And by the time that I actually got the smoothie made, my blood sugar was plummeting. I mean, it was, I was like downing uh, glucose tabs to the point of where after the breakfast smoothie, I still had to lay down for a second because my, it was so low. It was frightening low. Yeah. And, um, and because, because you had hemp protein powder in it, maybe it didn't hit you quite as hard. Man, but something. I had tons of fruit. Yeah. I mean, I had, the, I mean, tons of fruit. That's my huge fruit. That's your fruit Sh- hit. Should hit the fan on that. And so my, I was, I, t- I started my day with a low and insul- low blood sugar hangover. And I would try how, how how long did it take you to go from 270 down to you know what, what was it like what was it like 50s. 50s? Yeah, 50s. How long? I would how long, say how long? 35 minutes. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty that's, good at yeah, some sensitivity solid. right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would I mean, not say I don't know that that's good. It's like <laughs> it messed up the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. Completely. And I would, then yeah. I went straight from there and went to my CVE to put in this new sensor. And I was like, shit, it's hit the fan. I've had a rough morning. I feel like I have a hangover. I mean, there's so many things going on. And um, I haven't had to give insulin for the rest of the day. Oh. And I've eaten plenty of food. <laughs> it's weird. It's it's interesting day. Yeah. So it's, it's the highs and lows. You know, you're always guessing. So we'll see, though. And I got to say, too, Robbie, and I'll keep you posted. For someone who is not vegan, um, I have a very chosen. You eat a ton of vegetables too. Yeah, I eat a chosen restricted diet. Um, when I've cut out protein at night, it's really jacked up. It's really, it's. I'm questioning things. You've had to take less insulin, right? When you eat. Like, oh yeah, less well I won't even have to tonight. give. Yeah, yeah, I won't even. I mean, I'll eat a solid salad and some sautéed vegetables, or you know how much I. It doesn't matter, but. I. It's a guessing game. No, I have, I'm minute. not getting yeah. it. I'm not getting it right now. No. So yeah, if you have any show, anything that you want to throw in or to help people that are trying to transition, like, and you said it yeah. earlier, you're either all or nothing. Yeah. What are some intro tips here? You know, just like yeah, things so, to do every day, you know? What's funny is, so the intro tip is, is actually, it's so basic, it's kind of funny, but it's diabetes one-on-one. And the key is 
you got to know exactly how many carbs you're having at each meal. you got to know exactly what ratio you tried, and you need to document that. And you need to day after day, as you make changes, keep on seeing what's for sure. If you woke up one day, you tried this morning, I had a, I had a 38 to 1 ratio for my, for my meal. And the past few days, I have worked perfectly. Today, I ended up a little bit high. I was like 200 after the meal, uh, like two hours after. I was like, oh, I'll take a correction. So I took a half unit, and then that brought me a little bit low. So had I waited, maybe it would have come down. I would have been okay. But anyways, the point is, I now know that tomorrow I will probably try a 36 to 1 ratio because I calculated what my actual carbon ratio was. So... Once you, once you start documenting that, and, and so let's say if somebody goes, if you went low after a, a meal, then okay, how many grams of carbohydrate did you need to fix that low? You then calculate that into what was the ratio you should have tried, and then you try that the next set. So okay. that's, that's like tip number one. Just go back to diabetes 101 and know what the heck is going on. Because if you don't, then you're just shooting in the dark. There's no idea what's going on. There's no way. Dude, I mean, if you don't know how many cars, if you don't know the what time. the ratio was, yeah, absolutely. So that's number one. And then uh, number two is um, to, to use nutrition software and just be super aware of how, much, how many grams of fat you're consuming per day and what the percent of calories and fat your diet is. If somebody does not know their percent of calories and fat or total grams of fat on any given day, then they're, they're, they're missing a huge piece of information. Well, that's me. That's, that's, that's me right there. So use, use, a, use, use software. It's, it's super easy. Use Chronometer or MyFitnessPal. There's tons of software out there. But you just put in, you know, just ballpark. You know, I, I use a food scale because I want it to be super accurate. But put in ballpark numbers, and um, that's, that's a game changer for people to really learn. Wait a minute. How much fat am I really eating? Well, thank you so much for that tip. We'll okay, we're going to do this. Yeah, this is some this is some good homework. I'm interested in that total percentage of fat per day. Like, hey, what, yeah. what percent do um, you usually suggest? Yeah, so a maximum of fifteen percent. Okay. So usually somewhere between five and fifteen is a is a good. So mm. okay, dude. Okay, yeah, I'm interested. I'm going to try this out tomorrow. I'm going to see what percentage <laughs> I eat on a daily Test basis. Test study we'll started. Dude, <laughs> fat. Hey, fat is sneaky. It is real sneaky. It sure is, especially in the form of oil, which is in a lot of packaged products. And oil is the most calorie-dense food on the planet, 4,000 calories per pound. It's a, it's a big deal. Robbie, I just had to cut out from the last podcast. I'm on day, what day is this? You didn't have to Thursday. do anything here. I didn't. I chose. I choose. I choose. <laughs> I cut out because I used to drink coconut oil with my coffee. Oh boy! I cut. <laughs> I know, right? Ryan is the one that turned me on to it, so he's, it, he's like the dealer. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was doing the coconut oil thing in the coffee, and then we had uh, Amy McKinnon on the show, yeah. and she was talking about talking about the fat, and she brought this up on the show, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this out and see if it changes, and like, voila, like overnight, like voila. my post breakfast blood sugars have been so much better in the last year. Well, and I think that's it, probably part of my. Blood sugar, I'm like, yeah. I cut it out. Maybe I'm, I've been, you know, giving insulin for that too. And now Maybe. I don't have, I don't have any fat in my, bre- in my breakfast smoothie. Okay. So you've got two people protein. that are going to, are going to check this out, Jesus Robbie. Christ. We're going to check this out. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. We'll keep you posted, Robbie. <laughs> 
love it. Nothing like some black coffee. Dude, all right. We might be coming out to L.A. at some point to do like another extended talk with you. Yeah. I don't know. We'd like to that go shopping That would be super fun. I, absolutely. I'd love to. Dude, we're going to do that. Yeah, I think we can find a way maybe out in the springtime or the summer. We can find a way to get out there. Well, and Robbie, have so. you heard of uh, Tara Lehman? She's uh, Tara? Tara Lehman. Look her up. It's T1D Exposed. She just had a... Okay. Um, she's been a podcast guest, and she's a guest writer. She's actually been on the podcast twice. She's in her, She's not far from you. Word on the street. And I say that California is a huge state, but <laughs> in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah, okay, it's totally different. But we're going to, when we come to California, definitely hit up, you know, talk with her. And she just had a pancreas kidney transplant. And uh, wow. yeah, wow. her journey has been pretty incredible. So when we do come to Cali, mm-hmm. we're going to host a happy hour with everybody. And <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> be so much fun. We're right. doing it. We're it's doing happening it. for sure. Well, man, hey, huge thanks Thank you. For, uh, for joining us, man. I, I feel like we uh, we jumped into some food heavy. It was I time learned, we needed to do that. that. Yeah. Good. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, I really uh, appreciate what you guys are doing, so I'm going to keep it up. Yeah, yeah ditto. Thanks, Robbie. Keep the YouTube we'll videos coming. I'm learning a lot. So. Good. Thank, well, thank you. I appreciate you checking it out and uh, looking forward to hearing some updates from you guys. I want to know how much total fat you guys have. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll hit you up. We'll hit you Do up. Do I have to weigh in beforehand? That's the kicker. Like, I don't know if I want to share my weight prior to. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Well, well hey, dude, have a great well. night. All right, you do the same. Okay, bye. Bye bye. What an incredible show. I learned so much. I mean, uh, as somebody who's not vegan, I got a lot of things to think about. And I am thankful that he applauded me cutting out coconut oil. As a person who eats. <laughs> Dude, he was all about it. Yeah, he was like, oh my God. Like, when I said I was, yeah. yeah so. What did he say? He was like, whoa. Yeah, for fat content. I mean, and I'm cursing Ryan right now for introducing the coconut oil. It was seriously challenging. I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board too. Because some of the things he was saying... And, and that's not that wasn't Robbie's purpose. He wasn't trying to come on the show and challenge us into doing no, things. But gosh, I think it's just no, to internalize it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. whoa, I can do better. I'm going to do better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. As a person who's vegan, I mean, I've got some things I can work on. No Fine tuning. And uh, we've arrived at everybody's favorite <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> iTunes review. <laughs> Woo! iTunes review. Okay, this one comes from Soundwave Surfer Seven. And this might be one of my all-time favorites here. Okay. Because it talks about how beautiful I am. I don't know if I have, I don't know if I've read <laughs> far enough in the show to actually see that, but perhaps I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. It's titled Way Better Than the Pamphlets They Gave Me in the Hospital. <laughs> Five stars. Okay. From Soundwave Surfer 7. Okay, here's how it reads. Amber and Ryan's podcast is the best. I don't usually write reviews, but this podcast is special. I was diagnosed with T1D during my last year of college. Go out of the hospital with a bag of printouts and brochures that said a lot about carb counting and sliding scales, but nothing much about reality, about the day-to-day. Short while after, I found this podcast and I found a lifeline. um, At a time when I was easy to be overwhelmed by the diagnosis, supplies, info, appointments, on top of all the other regular stuff, um, I found support and encouragement in every episode. It's been seven months since I first started listening, and I look forward to every episode. Thank you, and keep up the great work. Yay! Well, welcome to the club, unfortunately, but um, 
Yeah. Thank you for those kind words. Dude, welcome. Now do they get in touch? To get one of these free t-shirts. <laughs> Info! That, dude, we've got multiple I've pictures got so many proving t-shirts. this on social yeah. media now. Well, so. and we still got to send out some t-shirts. I've got a lofty list of stuff I need to do. It's <laughs> the person running the back end. Um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it. If you'll shoot us an email at info at diabetesdailygrind.com and let us know how we can, where we need to send this. Um, that'd be great. We'll see what we can do. Super simple that way. Um, also, um, one of the easiest ways, uh, we're just throwing it out there. We have a PayPal account now. If you've, uh, if, if you enjoy the show and you want to throw us just a few bucks to help us keep out, um, you know, just kicking out yeah. a few more shows. Please do. Yeah, that'd be great. And it's the episodes simple. will always be free. It's never always. that, but it, we do have some expenses that are a part of this. And yeah, Jonathan is on a lifeline. <laughs> he's, 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 thank goodness he's not having people come break our legs. So. And I honestly think I just recorded ever. our first segment of the show being low. Really? I got into the. I'm, I'm definitely low right now. How low are you? I don't know. Interesting. Well, that okay. <laughs> but it's so, coming. We will. We will update this. You, Not low enough to pass out, but low enough. Well, and my Dexcom, the new Dexcom. Oh yeah, because you you are okay. You're on the Dexcom. I'm on right the Dexcom now. right yeah, yeah. now, and the discrepancy in the meter versus the Dexcom day one really was over a hundred different units. I don't know what the words are. Right, but you're getting better. There's been some of it that, that has actually been like dead in, on, right. in sync. Okay, well, we're going to end the show because I'm going to go pound some OJ. <laughs> but 20 gar. remember your promise to yourself. 20 grams of carbs at a time. Just 20? 15 Watch. minutes. Wait. <laughs> I can't even think about what the next part is. Yeah, it's because your mind is not functioning. Okay, well, like we're glad. Okay, person. so we're a walking shit show is what this boils down to. But Thank we're still going to end the episode the way we end every episode. <laughs> Go ahead. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, Robbie, for joining the show. This is the Real Life Diabetes Podcast, number 34. No, this is 33. Is it? (laughs) Oh, shit. Sorry. No. (laughs) It's 34. You're right. Okay, stop. Sorry. Sorry. I like the way this sounded anyway.